0: Welcome. Thank you for watching this teaching video from Oak Tree Community Church in South Bend, Indiana. Please check out our other videos and don't forget to like and subscribe. Our mission is to help people come to know Jesus better and love Him more every day. We believe this will not only help our own spiritual growth, but also help us better influence the community and the world for Christ. For more information about Oak Tree, please visit us at oaktreechurch.com. There you'll find past message series online giving options and more information about our discipleship process that we call the path. Now enjoy this message. We'd love to hear from you in the comments or the website contact form. Thank you. All right. We have been working and this is our 4th out of 4 weeks on principles and practices of basic Bible study for the next 3 weeks while I'm uh, in Philippines and Gary's right. Even if I don't say Philippians, when I go to type Philippines, Philippians just comes out. I always, I always have to correct when I'm uh, I'm typing and uh, sometimes when I'm speaking too. I'll be in the Philippines at the Word of Life Bible Institute and I'll be teaching for two weeks. And uh, um, um, what Gary's going to do over the next three Sundays is he um, is going to Say, all right, let's open the Bibles, and I'm going to give you all the passages for the next three weeks today at the end. okay? So you can write those down, and you can start working through them through your own Bible study. And over the next three weeks, you guys can study them together. You can go into second hour, discuss it based on uh, what Gary's going to present. Here's the thing. I've said that Bible study takes time, right? It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of hard work. Bible study is not just, oh, okay, I'm going to open it, I'm going to read it for 10 minutes and get that in for the day or read a chapter and I'm done. That's my study. It's it's not quite like that. In fact, a couple of thoughts here. You can read the Bible without studying it. okay And there is a time... Uh, There's some conversations that I had this week with with some of you, and I thought I'd better clarify a couple of things. There are times where you just need to read. You're not going to break out your yellow pads, as sad as that is. You're you're not going to break out the notebooks. You're not going to go through all the steps and all the everything. You just need to read it, and that's fine. That is absolutely fine. No problem at all. Just don't confuse the two. Okay. You can read the Bible without actually going into deep study. But, as Gary's going to remind us, you can't study the Bible without reading it. You <laughs> sort of have to read it. And I said read it in multiple Bibles, read it in multiple translations, try to really understand what's going on. Secondly, you can learn without studying the Bible. But you can't study without learning. Here's what I mean. I said in our... in our um four-step process that I presented last week. Ask questions, compose your thoughts, test your conclusions, and submit to God's Word. That I don't want you, when you're doing a full study, when you're doing a deep study, I don't want you looking at other people's notes I don't want you reading commentaries. I don't want you reading the little notes down at the bottom of your study Bible if you have one. I don't want you listening to uh, podcasts and radio on this topic, reading books on this topic. I want you, for the first two steps, ask questions and compose your thoughts. I want you to stick just with the text, just with the Bible. Read it, read it, read it, read it. Ask a ton of questions. Break out your notebook and just fill up pages with questions and answers and get it out of the text, okay? Now, Gary is going to give you uh, a couple of options where sometimes you can break away with that. And I've already scolded him and he's gonna do it anyway, so it's just, you know. No, there are some times where you can sort of flip some of that stuff around and he'll show you a really good reason why next week. Okay, But for the most part, in these first couple of steps, don't listen, don't read, don't do anything with anybody else's stuff, except for the the, the text. After you've come to your conclusion, after you've come to your interpretation, after you're like, okay, I think I understand, I've asked all the questions, I've gotten as many answers as I can on my own, I think I've got a pretty good handle on what this passage is about, then you can test your conclusions. That's when you break out your study Bible. That's when you break out your, your commentary. You ask your, your pa- favorite pastors and teachers and you know, listen to you know, whomever. Okay. And what you're asking is not, okay, uh, favorite writer, favorite author, favorite teacher, what does this mean? Because you've already done that work. You've already done the hard work. What you're asking them is, all right, I've studied it. Here's my conclusion. You've studied it. What was your conclusion? And uh, is there anything I missed in my process? What do you know that I don't know as I was going through the process? And you can take some of that information and start to filter it back through your process. You end up asking more questions again as you test your conclusions. So, one of the things that came up that says, "Well, I like listening to people and and uh, you know, I've got my favorite teachers, my favorite books, listen, I listen to people. I read. I love to read. I've got a ton of books that I read, and and just I'll, I'm not saying don't do that, okay? But there is a difference between studying the Bible and listening to what somebody else studied about the Bible. okay? So you open up your Spotify or your radio, or your favorite podcast, or you read your, your this book. You're like, oh, man, I just want to, you know, uh, he taught through this. She wrote a book on this. She, you know, whatever. I want to study this passage, this person, this whatever. I'm going to read a book or I'm going to listen to my favorite teacher about it. That's not study. That's listening to somebody else's study. That's learning from somebody else's study. And that's fine. That's fine. Jesus gave teachers to the church for a reason. We need to have good teachers in our church. But don't confuse listening to someone else's study with doing your own. That's all I'm saying. All right, Do your own study. And if you want to hear what somebody else taught, fine. Hear what somebody else taught. But if it's part of your study, I would say wait until you get to that point. All right. Now, this is the basic four-step process that I taught last week. And some of you have done this before and you've been doing it for a long time, and that's fine, and for some of you it was brand new, and that's fine too. Okay, The goal is to get us to be better at handling the Word of God. Okay, We want to get better at it. And none of us is perfect, we always make mistakes, Uh, it doesn't matter how long we've been doing this, I've been teaching in public speaking for over 30 years now, and I still get stuff wrong. You wouldn't know it, but I do, right? <laughs> in, in the study process, I, I'm working, I'm studying, I'm like, oh man, this I've never seen this before. No one in the history of the church for 2,000 years has ever come to this conclusion before. I'm brilliant. That's usually a red flag, by the way. If no one in 2,000 years has ever come to this conclusion before. That's probably not true, okay? And that's where some of these other scholars, we say, so what did I miss? And they're like, duh, right there, you missed this. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now, (laughs) okay? And then brings me back in line. If if you come to a brand new conclusion that the Holy Spirit has withheld from the church for 2,000 years, there's a good chance that it's not true, okay? Really good chance that it's not true. In fact, I would say it's about 110% chance that it's not true. <laughs> uh, so be careful. Not that you can't have new insights, but what I have found just in, in, my, in my study, in my, just in my life, what I have found is that when I come across something that's just like mind-blowingly, just like, whoa, I have never heard this before. Well, how 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 has no one ever thought of this before? Where am, where have I gone wrong? What's going on? And I start to check it out. I'm like, well, that's what he said, and that's what he said, and that's what he said, and they said that like 1,500 years. I'm like, okay, well, where have I been then? Okay, how have I never heard this before? But it's not because I came up with something brand new. It's just that over the course of my study, I came to a conclusion that I had never come to before, but apparently, a lot of people have over the years. Okay, and the the wealth of church history we can't count on. Church history is not infallible, but when you have two thousand years of scholars saying this is the way things are, this is what this passage means, and you decide all of a sudden that that's not what it means, contrary to everybody who has the Holy Spirit for two thousand years, you got to be pretty careful with that. Right? So test your conclusion, say, this is what I think, what did I miss? Is there anything that I missed in my process? Are there things that you know that I don't know? Things about the history, things about the culture that help make something make sense. things about the geography. okay Why does it matter that Jesus went here or he went there? or why does it matter that Jonah went here and this other prophet didn't? Why does that matter? Geography matters. And if you don't know that, then that fits into the category of a question that maybe you've asked and you don't have answered until you, tell, until you come to a commentary or something and say, okay, what did I miss? Oh, see, that makes so much more sense now. Okay, And we just work our way through the process. Now, today what we're going to do is uh, I want to show you two more types of study. This is not the only type of Bible study. And you may be thinking, "Wow, well, that's that's pretty deep, that's pretty, you know, whatever, that's not exactly how I do it. Is it possible that there are, yes, there are other ways. And I'm going to show you a couple of other ways. This process, I haven't really used the term yet, uh, this process is what we call an exegetical type study. Exegesis simply means to draw out, to bring out, that's all it means. So when you're reading the Bible, you're studying the Bible, you're interpreting the Bible, you're asking questions, you're taking notes, and you're drawing information out of the Scriptures, that's exegesis. That's all it is. As opposed to taking your theology and dumping it into Scripture and trying to make it, t- trying to, uh, make it say what you want, what I want, we're saying, alright, Bible, what do you say? God, what do you say? Because that's all I really care about, is what God says. It's called exegesis. An exegetical type of study simply says, What does this passage teach? So, what is this passage teaching me? I just want to soak it up. I just want to to draw it all out, go through my process so that in number four up here, I can submit to God's word. I can obey it. I can learn it. I can know it. And most of all, I can come to know the God of the Bible better. Remember, the goal is not just to know the Bible. This is not the end. This is the means to the end. And the end is knowing God better and loving Him more. Okay, This helps us get there. Too many people stop here. I know the Bible. I've memorized the Bible. I've read it a million times. That's great. But if it hasn't done anything in our lives, if it hasn't changed us in any way, we've missed the point. We've missed the point of Bible study. So, what is this passage Teach? What is this passage teaching us? Is there something I'm supposed to do? Is there something I'm just supposed to learn? Something I'm supposed to know about it? What am I supposed to do? Um, What's it teaching? Secondly, and we're a little bit of a lag here, the second one is called a survey type of study, and the third one is called a topical type of study. Okay, a survey asks the question, um, oh well. The survey asks the question, all the PowerPoints will be on our website. (laughs) Once we get the the message processed and and edited and uploaded onto our website, uh, we'll put a PDF of all the slides. So you can go to oaktreechurch.com slash messages, and you can actually have all of these PowerPoints that we put up here. Um, A survey asks the question, okay, so how does the Bible fit together? How does the Bible fit together? We're going to overview, that's all a survey is, we're going to overview... Uh, either a part or the whole thing or something. A topical study asks the question, what does the Bible say about this topic or about this category or about this type of this doctrine? okay? So it, it asked, each one of these types of studies asks a little bit of a different question, and so the agenda, the goal, where we're trying to go with the study takes us in a little bit different direction as we're staying focused on the Scripture. So, a Bible... a Bible, By the way, let me say this. Some people will take one of these types of, of study and say, this one is bad and this one is good. Or I like these two and I don't like this one. Or I... It's not not an either-or. It's not meant to be an either-or. It is a both-and. We need all three of them. Now, I would say, and this is my opinion, and and so you can do with it what you want. I would say that the exegetical study, our four-step process, is foundational for the rest of them. We can't ask what does the Bible say about this topic or this doctrine or how does it all fit together if we don't know what it says, right? <laughs> so we start with the exegetical type study, we start with our, our acts, ACTS type study, and we find out, okay, what does it teach? What does it say? And then we can start putting it together. Okay, so I think that one is foundational. But not to the exclusion, we can't say, well, I do exegetical study all the time, and I'm going to ignore the other types of studies. I don't think we can do that. I think we end up losing something when we try to do that. Okay? So what I want to do today is just talk you through, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to show you some things, uh, but talk you through these other two types of study. Okay, And you may find that there's one that you already do. You do it pretty well. you like it. And maybe I'll give you a different perspective. You may find out that, wow, I've never thought about doing that before. That is so cool. I can't wait to do that. Okay, And hopefully we'll, we'll see some of that today. So Bible survey. Let me compare exegesis and, and, uh, and, and survey for just a second. It's sort of the forest and the trees concept. Okay, and some of you have heard me use this illustration before. If you go into the woods or you go into the forest or something, you start studying a tree. You're looking at the leaves and you're counting the, the, the little fingers on the leaves and you're looking at the bark and the color and just, just the you know the root system and the whole thing. I would call that an exegetical type study. You're digging down into the little details. You're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study this leaf. And there are people... Who are like, why would you study a leaf? I mean, we're supposed to be looking at the forest, we're supposed to be but but yeah, but how am I supposed to know what the forest contains if I don't know about the details of the trees, okay? Exegesis, the exegetical study is sort of like studying the trees, the little details, and you know all of the different details about the leaves and the bark and the surrounding and, and the, the, what type of seed does it have and, and what you know how big is the sapling and all of those little details. And you say, that's great. That's an exegetical type study, okay? However, that doesn't tell you everything that you need to know. It gives you the foundation. Because if you go back home or you go back to the cabin or whatever, and you pull out your drone and you get that drone up in the air, all of a sudden you stop looking at just that and you start seeing that. Now, are we looking at the same two? Are these are these do these pictures broadly tell us some of the same information? broadly yes broadly yes we're still looking at leaves we're still looking at trees we're still looking at bark which one gives you more information depends on which question you're asking right if you're asking about details of trees, the left one gives you more information, the, le- the, the, the exegesis. If you're talking about how, you know, I need to study the forest. I need to study this, this whole orchard and to see how everything fits together. The left picture doesn't tell you really any of that. You have to see the right one. You have to go into the drone view, right? That's what a survey does. A survey says, great, you've got all the information about the leaves and the bark, but that doesn't really help me put it all together. How do I fit all this stuff together? That's the forest and the trees, but you need some of those details to figure out why is that one in the back purple? Why is this one in the front short? Why is you need the details to help fill in the big picture? Okay, um, and so it's again, it's a, it's a it's a both and it's not an either or. So there are a handful. Actually, probably it's probably somewhat unlimited, but I'm just going to give you a handful. A handful of types of surveys. How? What? What types of things can we say? How does it fit together in here? Well, one way to do it is to do a um, a chronology, a chronological study. You say, I want to read the New Testament in the order, not in the order that it was was. Uh, you know put together Matthew through Revelation not even necessarily in in the order that they were written although that's an interesting study but I want to st- I want to read through the New Testament I want to study through the New Testament or the Old Testament in the order that it actually occurred See if you do that maybe you've you've read through the New Testament before you've started in Matthew and you've read straight through What you miss when you do that is that many of those letters starting in Romans and going through Jude, many of those letters took place within the book of Acts. And so if you read all the way through the book of Acts and then you start in Romans and you read all the letters, you miss the context in when they were written, why they were written, what was going on in Paul's heart and mind when he was writing those. You don't realize that you have to get through most of Paul's letters in the order that they're placed in your New Testament before you get to Galatians and then 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, which were actually the first ones he wrote. Like, well, why is Romans 1st then? Because it's really important. It's the longest. <laughs> the order of the New Testament letters are, generally speaking, largest to smallest, longest to shortest, generally speaking. Okay? Okay. Is it thoughtful? Yes. Is it helpful? Not necessarily. Okay. And it's certainly not chronological. It's not bad. There's nothing bad about it. But if you think that you can just read straight through, um, you find out that you miss some things. If you read them in the order that they actually took place, in the order that he actually wrote them, you start to see actually Paul's theology growing. As he gained more revelation, as he revealed things, as he wrote things that nobody knew before, as Jesus was teaching him things, it's, it's, it's fascinating when you just shift it up a little bit. Okay, so chronology. Sometimes chronology can be genealogies. This was a picture uh, that I took in um, in Munich, and uh, uh, the um, uh, the list of the Olympians who were killed in Munich in the 70s at, the, at that, uh, uh, that massacre there. And you've got their English names on the left, and you've got their Hebrew names on the right. And sometimes the genealogies, and the reason it's, it's, it's highlighted there is because in Hebrew, um, surnames, last names, are not really a thing. Okay, this, On the left it says David Berger. On the right it doesn't say uh, David Berger. It says, uh, reading from right to left, um, David, son of Benjamin, burger. Okay? David, son of Benjamin. That's how you read things in the Bible, right? David, son of Benjamin, son of. It follows the family tree. And if you're, sometimes genealogies are really, really, really important. And so you like to study some of those covenants. God has made certain covenants with certain groups of people and when he made them and why he made them and are they already fulfilled? Are they not fulfilled yet? You can actually work your way. Survey. Remember, this is just a survey. Survey. How does the Bible fit together via chronology, via genealogies? How does the Bible fit together via the covenants that God made? And you can see it working out in time. And so you say, I don't don't even know about the covenants. I've never not really done anything. There are six covenants. There are six covenants that are specifically mentioned. They're all given in the Old Testament. Okay? Five out of the six of them have to do with the nation of Israel. There's only one covenant that God has explicitly made With all people and that's back in genesis chapter 9 when he said to you noah and to your descendants and to the animals that are on the ark and to all their descendants i'm making this promise i'm making this covenant and i put the rainbow in the sky to promise you that i will never ever again destroy the earth with a flood that's a covenant with all of the descendants of noah that includes you and me that's the entire population of of humanity the whole human race there are five other covenants that are given in the Old Testament. All have to do with the nation of Israel. I'm not Jewish. I'm not part of that nation. does not have a direct application to me. But that doesn't mean I can't learn from it. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't study it. Okay. Why did God choose to make covenants with the nation of Israel? Are they fulfilled? Do they have yet to be fulfilled? Who is God? Why did He do that? These are all questions that we can Learn about God and his works as we study different covenants another way to look at it is dispensations a dispensation just very very quickly is how God has worked with different people or different groups in different ways at different times that's all a dispensation is big word for a pretty simple concept Okay, my favorite illustration of dispensations is if you have children, especially if they've if you've got multiple children and they've grown a little bit, you know, that the word dispensation simply means rules of the house. That's all it is, okay? And if you have ever had a house with rules in it, you know that rules change at different times for different people, right? That's all it is. That's all it is. When they're this big, they have certain rules. When they're this big, they have certain rules. If they're boys or girls, they might have certain rules. If there's a certain time in our family's life, maybe the rules have to change a little bit because of this or that, and then the rules are going to change again. Maybe in this neighborhood we do this, but in this neighborhood we don't. Rules change all the time. And all dispensationalism says, is that God has worked with people differently at different times throughout history, and we should understand that because we don't want to say, hey, there's a rule in the Bible, I must have to obey it. Maybe that rule's not for me. Or maybe there's a rule for me that's not for somebody else. Maybe I should understand how the rules of the house work. And it'll help me handle the Bible better, understand the Bible better. That's a survey. That's a survey type study. How does the whole thing come together? Book surveys. Say, I just want to study a whole book. Say Romans. We were just picking on Romans. It's at the beginning. There's 16 chapters in Romans, and it is one of the deepest theological books of the whole Bible. Tons and tons and tons of deep theology, logical arguing. uh, Paul is trying to make points. He's like, do you get this? Just this whole back and forth. And he's drawing from his uh, Jewish background and he's quoting from the Old Testament. Just tons of stuff. You're like, if I decided to do a study on the book of Romans, it's going to take me the rest of my life. I'll never touch the rest of the Bible. (laughs) And that's probably true. If you really do a dig down deep study in the book of Romans. See, I don't have time for that. I'd really like to get an overview of the book of Romans. Great. That's where a book survey comes in. We're not asking every question that comes to mind. We're not reading one verse at a time and asking all the questions. We're going to read it very quickly, several times very quickly. Let's not forget, a lot of these in the New Testament at least, are letters. So you sit down and you read it like a letter. You can probably read the book of Romans if you're not asking too many questions. And I know this sounds backward because I said ask a lot of questions. If you're just trying to get a high-level view, you can read the book of Romans in less than a half an hour, most people. okay, Maybe you're a slow reader and it takes a little bit longer. That's fine. You can read the book of Romans. very. It's a letter. You sit down. You say, Paul, to the Christians who are in Rome, here's what I want to tell you. That's pretty interesting. And you know what happens is you start to see big themes, okay? If you're looking at just a couple verses at a time or just a chapter at a time, it's easy to miss switches because uh, switches in themes and switches in in direction because it's been a while since you were there and then you come back and you're doing more deep study. If you take this bigger 30, 40, 50,000 foot view and you read it very quickly, you're like, Ah, I can see that these chapters go together and then he switches themes and here's some chapters that go together and then he switches themes and here's some chapters that go together. It's hard to do when you're looking directly at the leaf with your magnifying glass. Ooh, look at the leaves. It's good stuff, but you're not going to see the whole forest. That's what a book type study does. Okay? Really, really high level. There are so many others. We just don't have time to go into all the different types of surveys. Anything where you say, I want to get a sort of a high-level view, I want to start bringing together uh, sort of a, a, a story, sort of a timeline, sort of a um, high-level view, those are all types of surveys. And you can do all sorts of them. If a survey is like looking at the forest... An exegesis is like looking at the leaves. Then a topical study is like a bookcase or a shelf. Okay, and the exegesis are the individual pages of the book or individual beans in those bags of coffee on there. Okay, because what a what a, what a, a topical or a doctrinal or a category study does is says all right. I'm not trying to get an overview of the Bible what I want to know is what does the Bible say about this topic what does the Bible say about grace you can't just go to one passage you can't just go to one verse You can't just go to one book or maybe Old Testament or New Testament. You can say, what does the Old Testament say about grace? What does the New Testament say about grace? But you still have to cover the whole thing. (laughs) You don't get to go to one verse and say this is what the Bible says about it. No, that's what one verse says about it. If you want to say, what does the Bible say about grace? You have to find every time the word grace is used in the Bible and read the whole context and start to build like a puzzle. How does it all fit together? That's more than a survey. Okay, And the problem is, is that how many ever topics you can think of, love, joy, grace, peace, all of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, all of the, uh, the, the major doctrines I'll show you in just a second, those are all individual shelves on your mental bookcase. Or in your notebook. You say, I have a notebook for this topic. And as I'm reading the Bible and as I'm studying the Bible, every time I come across this topic... I'm gonna add it to this notebook. And when I come across a different topic, I'm gonna add it to this notebook. And when I come across a different topic, I'm gonna add it to this notebook. You say, that's a lot of notebooks. You have no idea. (laughs) That's a ton of notebooks. Maybe that's when you bring out your computer and say, aha, here's my favorite note-taking tool. I can have unlimited notebooks, right? And you can tag them and you can cross-reference and see how it all fits together. And it's so cool, okay? I really like this type of study if you haven't picked up on that. all right, Love the notebooks. Love the digital tools. This is really cool because every time you read the Bible, every time you study something, every time you listen to somebody else teaching, you're like, hey, I didn't have that on my shelf. I'm putting that on my shelf and you start to build what you know about that topic, about that doctrine. There are 32,000 and change verses in the Bible. 32,000 some odd verses in the Bible. And every one of them fits into at least one topic. Sometimes more. In the beginning, God created. The heavens and the earth fits into the topic of God, fits under a subtopic of God's creation, fits under... Probably a couple others if we really wanted to drag it out. All right? Lots of them. Here are a couple of types of topical studies, and then I want to tell you about major doctrines, and it will be done this morning. Because this is just high level. I just want to, as we wrap up practices, uh, principles and practices, I just want to give you some more options. And uh, you can go back and you can watch this or listen to this series. We have the video and the audio. Again, this is only four weeks. You can watch as many times or listen as many times as you need to to uh, until you get some of these, uh, these practices down where it's like, okay, I remember how to do that. Uh, I'll just throw them all up on the screen uh, right away. Genealogies. Okay, this is a little bit different than chronology, but genealogy is uh, a a whole, you know, the whole family tree. Why is Jesus called Son of David? Why does that matter? Well, maybe we need to study that family tree, the genealogy. What does that mean? And what's interesting is that'll take us back to covenants. There's going to be some overlap. Just the lives of people. Like I'd really, really like to know more about the life of... Pick your person. right? Moses. Paul. I know in the ladies' Bible study, they're going through some of the women of the Bible, looking at the lives of these ladies in the Bible. That's a great type of topical or category type of study. Because you can't just go to one passage. You have to say, where is this person mentioned? Every time this person is mentioned. Every time this person speaks... Every time this person does something, I need to gather all of this and bring it all together so that I can fit it into this picture of who is this person, what made them tick. And some people, we have a lot of information, and some people, they're mentioned once. So it's a really, really short study. Those are great to start with. Okay? (laughs) It's like, where is this person mentioned? It's mentioned, he's mentioned, she's mentioned in that verse. Great, I'm done. Filled up my shelf. That's all we have about that person okay the attributes of God who is God what are some of his characteristics what are some of his attributes what makes if I can put it this way what makes God tick why does he do what he does how does he do what he does how does that affect me why should I reflect that or can I even reflect that all right lots of God's attributes character maybe you want to study certain prophecies uh, starting Easter this year, our series that we're going to start on Easter Sunday uh, for about, um, I don't know, six weeks or so. We're going to be looking at studying prophecies that Messiah fulfilled. Prophecies from the Old Testament where we have a fulfillment already. Proving that Jesus, showing that Jesus is Messiah. That's a topical type of study. And then there are doctrines, and here's where I want to as we come to the close of this part of our series, uh, before Gary picks it up next week, actually in passages, working through some of these steps. I want to finish on on the doctrines. I said there's 32,000 some odd, I don't remember what the the number is, 32,000 some odd verses in the Bible. Every verse not only has a topic, at least one, but also has a major doctrine. There are 11 Only 11. You can memorize these. I'm going to put them up. We'll talk through them for just a minute. There are only 11 major doctrines, category, whatever you want to call them. Everything else is a subcategory or a subdoctrine underneath these big 11. These are your big ones. And every verse fits into at least one or more of these. And so even if all you wanted was 11 shelves and everything, they're going to have to be big, and everything goes onto your 11 shelves, your 11 notebooks, this is how I would categorize them, because and there's a very logical order. I'll show you. Uh, here are the eleven major Bible doctrines. There's a reason that I put them in this order. Some people put them in a different order. The reason I put them into this order is because, at least to me, it makes very much logical sense. It is chronological as well, and they're easy to remember. All right. I start with the Bible because almost everything we know comes from the Bible. Some people want to put God first because He is supposed to be first in everything. I get that, but there's a lot we don't know about God if we don't go to the Bible, right? So I put the Bible first. If you want to go with God first, that's fine. The Bible, the doctrine of the Bible, everything that the Bible says about itself, everything that, uh, anything about the Bible. Anything at all about the Bible. You come across a verse that talks about Scripture. You come across the verse that talks about writings. You come across a verse or a passage that talks about um, the inspiration or how God moved, automatically gets put on that shelf in that notebook. It's about the Bible. Okay? The second category, the second grouping, I have them grouped, is God. God. Okay, because God is more important than anything else on here, I understand that. So we're going to move from the Bible where we learn this stuff to God, three members of the Godhead. There's a lot of stuff about each one of these members of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And you're reading the Bible, you're studying, or you listen to somebody, or you're reading a book, and, and they, you learn something, and you hear something about, let's say, the Holy Spirit. You're like, aha, I need to put that on my Holy Spirit shelf. I need to add that to my Holy Spirit notebook. I've never heard that before. Okay? And you start to build your your theology. You start to build your belief system. You start to build your doctrine. Okay? And as you then go, you say, I want to study the Holy Spirit a little bit more. You have a starting place. Here are things I've already heard. Now I can add to it. Okay? Um, Things like the Trinity would be a sub doctrine, usually under the number two, is usually the doctrine of God generally. And the doctrine of the Holy, or, um, the the Father. Okay, so things about the Trinity would usually be under, uh, you know, you have to put it somewhere, right? So you put it under God uh, creation. All three of them participated in creation, so you have to put that somewhere. The attributes, those characteristics that I was talking about, would fit under here as subtopics. Okay. Then we go to what are the two special creations of God. What are the two creations of God that are above everything else? Angels and humans. In that order, by the way. Remember, this is very logical, very chronological. Angels first, and then humans. Everything you read about or study about angels goes in that notebook, on that shelf. Everything about humans goes into that notebook. Then we have two spiritual states. The two spiritual states that we find ourselves are sin and then salvation. What does the Bible say about sin? There's a lot of stuff actually. You need to fill up that notebook. You need to understand what sin is if we're going to understand God. And we need to understand God if we're really going to be able to understand how bad sin is. So we build our sin notebook. That sounds bad, but uh, (laughs) build our sin notebook. We add what the Bible says about sin to that notebook, to that doctrine, that category. And then we say, what does God say about salvation? God's forgiveness. The cross is on here. The resurrection goes under here. All sorts of stuff goes under the doctrine of salvation. What is salvation? What is included? That's a pretty thick notebook, by the way. There's a lot of stuff there. Then we talk about the two special people of God, the two special groups that God chose. He chose Israel and he chose the church in that order, Israel and then the church. They are completely distinct, they don't overlap. There's a lot of a lot of uh, differences. This right here helps us stay away from a lot of false doctrine. If we can keep these two groups distinct, if we can understand, and this is where it helps with our dispensations. God gave certain uh, rules of the house to the nation of Israel and certain rules of the house to the church and, you know, there there's there's no overlap between them. Okay, we've got to be careful you know, the promises and the blessings and all of that stuff. Two peoples of God. So we have the Bible, we've got the two special creations, angels and humans, two spiritual states, sin and salvation, two special peoples, Israel and the church, and then everything else. <laughs> everything that hasn't happened yet. And by the way, when we come across a passage that says God is going to do this in the future, There's at least three categories this goes into. God, right? The future, and... Who he's doing it to? Is he doing it to or for Israel? Is he doing it to or for the church? Is he doing it to just all people, all humans? It goes under the category of humans. Is he using angels to do it? See, a passage can fit into multiple categories, and you start to build your own cross references. So that as you're studying one passage, you say, "Hey, maybe I should see how this one fits in," and you start to understand the whole Bible together. Is that cool? I don't know if you're nearly as excited about that as I am, but I think that's really, really cool as we're building our understanding of the Word of God. Everything that still has to take place is in the end times. And all of a sudden, you start to build a mental and maybe even a physical, if you're using pen and paper, physical bookcase. And what's going to happen is as you start, uh, the the shelves are going to look a little bare. Right? And some of them are going to look a little bare for quite a while. A little empty. And that's okay. That's okay. I don't care how old you are. Now's the time to start and you've got the rest of your life. Whatever that is. We don't know what the rest of our life looks like. We may have today. We may have 50 years. I have no idea. But that's whatever time that is, that's the time that we should be building our bookcase. We should be building our understanding of God through the Scriptures. It should be a lifelong goal to fill that bookcase, fill that shell, fill our mental our mental and our heart so that we can submit to God's Word. Finally, here's our challenge. As we wrap up this part, next week I'll show you, I'll put a slide up as we close that has all the references for, for the next three weeks, but here's the challenge. Be sure to study the Bible in multiple ways, not just one. Not just one. Okay? You do your exegetical study, you do your survey, high-level stuff, you do your category, your topical type studies. They all go together. You need them all to really understand the Bible and be able to handle it the way we should handle it. It's God's word. It's God's authority. Don't build your doctrine, certainly not from one verse, and not from just one type of study. Okay, this is to go back to that big word. This is hermeneutics: the practice, or the principles, and the practices of basic Bible study. That's what we've been doing for the last four weeks. And you can go back and, again, like I said, watch these videos, listen to this over and over as much as you need to or want to. Here are the passages for the next three weeks. Next week, Gary is going to take us to that well, well well-known passage in the book of Haggai. The reason we're giving them to you in advance is so that you can go, every Bible has a table of contents in the front, and you can say, what? Where? Oh, okay, there is a little book there. It's only two chapters. And uh, he's going to walk us through some verses from chapter 2. Then uh, two weeks from today, he'll be in Psalm 2. That's the whole psalm, by the way. It's a short. Psalm 12 verses. And then it's the battle of the twos. The last week, I'm coming back from Philippines. You'll be in Philippians. Not confusing at all. Chapter 2, verses 1-11. through And he'll walk us through some study. Just some. So many details that you won't be able to get to okay he has spent by the way i just tell you this as we wrap up whenever somebody's up here teaching you may not think about this but if they've gone through one or more of these processes that we've been talking about these last couple of weeks it takes them not just a couple hours or even a couple of days it takes them weeks and sometimes months to get ready to be up here okay wonder why you know why is it only a couple of times a year these guys teach There's several reasons for that. One of them is because in some cases it takes that long to prepare because study is hard work and they put in, whether it's Gary or Philip or Nick or whoever teaches up here, they put in a lot of hard work so that they can come and say, this is what I've learned and we appreciate that they do that.